Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge, now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Broadcasting live Ish. from Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse on the sunny shores of beautiful Lake Erie. Rebound knocked up in the air, slapped by Mills out to Brandon. Brandon coming to the forecourt. Brandon with three, with two, on the run. Good! He beats the buzzer! Cavs win! In downtown Cleveland. Hello, Cleveland! Hello, Cleveland! You tuned in to Wine and Gold Radio. Mitchell again. Shoots. Good! Cavaliers lead. No timeouts. Ball and Rob. Ball knocked away. Game's over. Cavaliers have won it in four overtimes. Rafa, J-Bike, and Joe G. It doesn't get any better than that. Yeah, hey, everybody. Yeah, hey. Welcome to Wine and Gold Radio. Wine and Gold Radio. I am Joe G, and today's show, I will be the dumbest member of all the... Uh, Why? Because we, we're going to be talking to a bunch of intelligent people on this show, you and John Michael. Rafa Hernandez Brito, one of That's my co-hosts. Great. What what kind of degree do you have, Rafa? What kind of what? Degree. I have a mechanical engineering degree with a specialization on machine design. Okay. John Michael. John Michael Juan Miguel is also joining me. John, what's your degree? I do have a mechanical engineering undergrad degree. Yeah, they're, they're undergrad. Anyway, it's getting higher now. Now I'm joining you on the dumb list, uh, and now we <laughs> keep going. Mechanical, I, I was mechanical. To avoid having to say the other. Do it again. Go, go ahead, John. Go Michael. ahead. Mechanical engineering. And I do. I do have a law degree, and I do have an MBA degree. <laughs> all of which are, all of which I'm using each and every day. <laughs> 
So I am the, watches I, basketball for a living. Yeah. I am the least bright person on this show. However, I did get my degree from Concrete State University, which is now in the field of 64. All right. Uh, they'll be yeah, taking on Houston later this Houston's week. Houston's the only alma mater that's in the tournament. So that's there you go. I, I feel kind of good about that. So I feel kind of good about not that. close, BU. Nope. Never close. Do you guys ever Although, make the tournament? Yeah, we did. We, you know, Rick Pitino took us there. Really? And he, Rick Pitino just took another school now to he the did. final, to the to the tournament. Iona, I think it's his fifth school. He did. Near Boston, you correct? BU, the Terriers. Yes. B- Howard, Howard Stern. Correct. Of course, WBUR. Okay. Well, that was the first station that he got fired from on okay. the air. Okay. WBUR, but he took BU, Providence, Louisville, Louisville, Kentucky, and now Iona. Yeah, pretty amazing. I mean, he's an amazing coach, but uh, pretty amazing that he still has a job after everything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that that's the thing. It, it, <laughs> okay, guys, we're going to be talking a lot of March Madness on today's show because uh, part of today's show is going to be about Women's History Month. We're going to have yep. Lindsey Gottlieb, who coached in the Final Four, Cavs assistant coach, and we're also going to have Alyssa Dombrowski on the show. Guest co-host. Guest co-host. To celebrate exactly. Women's Month. Exactly. So, of course, we're going to talk a lot about that. But I have to start out and say, if the season ended today, the Cavs would be on the outside looking in of the playoff picture. They they have a homestand coming up. They 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 lost the rhythm coming out of the All Star break. They so, have not found their rhythm. It's a rough start, and I want to ask you guys that know basketball a lot more than I do. How much does it have to do the the big layoff? Put together with the way we went into the break, and you know, coming back, I think we faced we faced New Orleans that had already played the night before, so they were kind of in a rhythm, even though they were on a back to back. I don't know, but it, it, obviously we haven't played well in in in, in spurts, and and for the type of team that we are, we can't afford to do that. But how much does it have to do with with that, John? You think? And other, I mean, because you have to take that into consideration. We talked about this on a previous episode during the slide that took place before the Cavs won four of their last five heading into the break. We would have loved a nine-day layoff, right? <laughs> <laughs> the Cavs were dying for one of those. Uh, then they start playing well. Uh, the Indiana game, the Cavs let that one slip away the final game before the break. But sure, I, it, you know, that that break always takes a toll. But, I, you know, I think it's across the league, obviously. But you're right, Rafa. They, you know, they always say the game after the break is typically an ugly one in case of the Cavaliers in New Orleans. So I, I think part of it, though, I think to a bigger extent, it's getting players back in the lineup, which is good. But, you know, now you're again assimilating. <laughs> Jimmy Bakerstaff has been juggling the whole season, right? And finally you're getting whole again, yet there's still that chemistry issue that you have to, you know, we would all know about the limited practice time. We know that this season is different than any other, which means that, Teams are making adjustments on the fly and at times actually in games. So there are combinations out there on the floor that haven't been out there. You know, you get Kevin Love back in the lineup for the first time since December to open up the second half of the season. You got Larry Nance back after extended absence uh, and, and things are different. So guys are once again, shifting roles. And for a younger team, that's not always the easiest thing to do. So does that layoff have an effect? Of course, but I think maybe Equally as important, maybe more importantly, the the roster continues to shift for this Cavs team. Now, the good news is they're almost whole, right? I mean, they're they're at least trending in the right direction in terms of getting most of their players back on the floor. So we'll see. You know, a lot of games in a short period of time. So if you turn it around and catch a streak, uh, 
it can mean good things in a short period, like I said. So we'll see. I'm looking forward to the game in Miami coming up, which is not an easy place <laughs> to play, much like New Orleans for the Cavs. But then a four-game homestand starts on St. Patrick's Day against Boston, and we'll see if the Cavs, uh, first of all, hopefully can get a win and uh, do something against the Miami team that, by the way, is playing some really, really good, good. Yeah. yeah, Think about it now, but they are shooting up the charts. Hopefully the Cavs can get uh, healthy at home uh, on that four-game home streak. We lost 10 in a row. Then we find a way to, JB, find a way to keep the guys together, mm. win four or five, going to the break. And then once we had that, that, those four or five were with the same lineup for the first time in the season, we had the same lineup in five games in a row. Mm. And now because we're getting healthy, he has to come in and with, with love and hands, love in, in, in minute restrictions. So it's, it's really difficult. It's not an excuse, and I'm sure exactly. nobody's putting it out as an excuse, but it is, it is a factor, I think, of what's, of what's happening. I think, too, the loss of Darius Garland mm-hmm. can't be overlooked. You know, you look at that Indiana game, the Cavs had a seemingly comfortable lead when he goes out. The next five quarters without Darius were not pretty yep. at all. You know, he didn't play in that New Orleans game. Comes back in the lineup in Atlanta. We see what he can do in terms of getting this team organized. But again, he's dealing with different pieces. So uh, another factor for a Cavs backcourt that's had players in and out. And again, hopefully for the second half, they can be mostly whole um, and, and see what they can do here in half number two. No, I, I completely agree. And that, uh, you know, of course, when you when you hear you getting Larry Nance and Kevin Love back in the lineup, first thing you think is, oh, that's fantastic. And it is, but you're right, especially without Darius Garland in that first game back. You have to kind of readjust and recalibrate your entire system so i mean and there's a domino effect too so uh again no excuse but the Cavs basketball is a rhythm game and the Cavs need to rediscover their rhythm and there are still things that i'm sure jb may mention is like the things that they can do better like the free throws for example it's something that you they have to take ownership to that but there's a lot of factors and i think the good thing is we're coming home after the miami Mm -hmm. game and 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 the schedule doesn't get any easier right now it's easier to figure out what days we don't play than trying to figure out what, <laughs> exactly. what days we play because I think it's like four or four four days off in yeah. the next you know 10 14 days yeah this schedule is going to be rough well we'll get an inside look at uh, the locker room how it was yeah. uh, <laughs> how it was over the weekend and uh, what we have to look forward to this week and also a, a little bit of March Madness uh, when we talk to Lindsay Gottlieb and Alyssa Dabrowski coming up after the break we will be right back on Wine and Gold Radio. Wine and Gold Radio. I gotta sing another song. Hi, this is Tim Elcourt. I listen to a lot of different things, but I never listen to Wine and Gold Radio. There's more of this. Folks, this is a garbage spectacular. After this on Wine and Gold Radio. Designed from the land, for the land, the team shop has introduced a new in-house apparel line called the Land Collective. The first series is inspired by the 2020 NBA Draft. Each series will focus on a specific theme and feature exclusive pieces that will only be available while supplies last. Get these new looks from the team shop today only at Cavs.com slash shop. For more style inspiration and to be the first to know about upcoming collections, follow at Land Collective on Instagram. Hi, this is Jed Osmond from Turkey, and you're listening to Wine and Gold Radio, Cleveland, Ohio, America. Six seconds to go. Clemens gets the ball. Clem to bingo. Bobby top of the key. 25 footer. Bingo! Bobby had it. Now. 
back to Wine and Gold Radio. Keep it simple, stupid. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Wine and Gold Radio. Wine and Gold Radio. Joe G, and I'm joined, of course, by uh, Rafa, Rafa Hernandez Brito. That's me. Uh, John Michael, Juan Miguel. And our special guests, this is, of course, Women's History Month. Correct. And Wednesday is Women Who Rock Night at the at the, the Fieldhouse. Yes. And our, and our guest co-hosts and our guests are, are women who rock, for sure. Indeed. Oh, my God, they rock. So our, our, our guests, uh, basketball communications coordinator, correct? Director. Direct, director? Please. Oh, I'm yeah, let's, let's make her a director for the show. <laughs> Alyssa Dombrowski, who deserves a raise just for being Dave Woo! Dombrowski's daughter and putting up with that all the time. I mean, I'm not going to argue with that. Hi, guys. <laughs> and Cavaliers assistant coach, Lindsay Gottlieb. You talk about a woman who rocked. There's, there we go right there. Lindsay, welcome to the show. Well, well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Do I get a Spanish pronunciation of my name or no? Uh, I'm going to let Rafa do that one. Yeah. He's the pro on that. You know, it's bad because it doesn't have an R. And we have talked about in the show how people roll the R's even when they're not supposed to roll them. So, <laughs> But for me, your, 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 your last name is a, it, it, it took me some practice because the B at the end, the Gottlieb, it, it, yeah. it was always hard. When I was learning English, I had problems with, I missed the class where the B and the V are pronounced <laughs> differently. So I, it took me a few years to, to get that, that part correct. <laughs> hey, before we talk to Lindsay, uh, you heard a little Joe Tate coming out of the break. We're paying yes. tribute to the great Joe Tate on, on today's show. Alyssa, obviously your dad knew Joe the entire time he was here. You probably knew Joe from when you were a little... A little baby. Uh, do you have any good stories from Joe Tate or just uh, any memories of Joe? Yeah, I mean, my dad has uh, been with the Cavs. He's the vice president of broadcasting. Obviously, he's been with the Cavs for, for about 35 plus years. So um, I really grew up uh, around the Cavs, obviously, which inspired my path that I'm on now. But Joe was such a huge part of that, um, of my childhood. You know, I, I would say my biggest memory of him and I don't know why it was Bob Evans. I don't know if that was his favorite or my dad's favorite, but um, I used to, uh, we would go to Bob Evans with Joe uh, for breakfast on Sundays. And I just felt like the coolest kid uh, on the block being able to, you know, just be in the presence of such a legend. And, um, you know, he was obviously just such a presence to be around. And so it was really cool being able to just be like in his orbit and just know him. And, you know, he obviously is, very, very missed by all of us, but definitely awesome memories that I'll, I'll never forget. I, it's been a, a really hard week for me because I'm sure Coach Lindsay is in the same boat as I am. We just came here to Cleveland, and, of course, I, I, never, I never got a chance to meet Joe Tate, but it's amazing to hear the stories and how many lives he touched and how much back in the day where there was no TV – that's how people connected to the Cavaliers. And, and it's amazing, Lindsay. I'm sure you've been really impressed by the how everybody has come out and talk about the, the amazing impact that Joe Tate had in their life to, uh, with the Cavaliers. I, I was actually just thinking the same thing. You know, I obviously just got to Cleveland uh, uh, just under two years ago, but I listen to the sports talk radio when I drive in to work. And I try to be a fan of, of all the teams and, and really immerse myself in Cleveland culture and hearing the, the genuine um, feelings that so many people had for this legendary announcer to me speaks to the sports culture of Cleveland and how connected everyone really is by these sports teams and how the voice of it all really matters. And it's, it's really neat to see the former players talk about him um, as well as fans and other people in sports media. So 
again, I, you know, sending out condolences to his friends and family, but also I think, gosh, if we could all be remembered in such a way that, that, that says a lot about, about him and, and also about the community. Lindsay, you, you grew up, sports were such a big part of your life, you know, as you rose and, and came to where you are right now, were there vo a voice or were there voices or a team that was your team or your voice that you listened to when uh, you were in those formative years? Well, yeah, I was, I was all Yankees and Knicks, right? So, um, uh, Walt Clyde Frazier has been the voice oh. <laughs> for a very long time. So, uh, it's one of those moments, you know, when I, when I saw him in Madison square garden and apparently like when we, last time I played in New York, I never watched the broadcast, but someone said, you know, he gave me a shout out on the, you know, on the broadcast from being a, a local kid, you know, back, uh, you know, now coaching in, in the garden. That was really cool. Um, and then uh, the Yankees announcers, one thing to me, I, I wrote a letter to Susan Waldman, who yes. was on the, the fan, uh, one of the first women to do it. So, um, you know, back when I was a kid, I, 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 you know, maybe getting a little bit older saying, you know, I think you're great. You know, can I come shadow you? Can I uh, do something? And, and I have a letter that she wrote me back. So I'd, I'd say those are the two people that um, made the most impact, you know, on me in the New York area. You mentioned shadowing. Did you ever have the itch? Did you ever think that that might be your career path? Yeah. Well, when I was growing up, our dinner table conversations were about somebody's case because I, I grew up around a bunch of lawyers. So there was a lot of a lot of that or sports. And so if you had asked me when I was probably, you know, 10, 11, 12, um, I, I think I, I would have said that I either wanted to be a lawyer um, or in, in sports broadcasting or writing like to me that's what i thought there there was to do to be you know a part of, of of sports it wasn't until i got into high school and college where i was like wait a second people coach for a living like you can really do this <laughs> um and so that's when i shifted more to wanting to kind of impact the game and the people involved in the game in that way but who knows maybe, maybe somewhere somewhere down the road who knows now you you mentioned you come from a family of, of lawyers and do you happen to get a little bit of like a question mark when you decided and you learn everybody know that you were following the sports, the coaching side? Because, you know, John is an attorney as well and also an engineer. I have an engineering degree. And at the beginning, when I started pursuing my passion, it wasn't really like something like, yeah, good, good move. Go ahead. Go get it. So I wasn't for you. I mean, I was almost the opposite. I think every I'm the youngest of four. Uh, my older sister is now a law professor, but she she went to law school. My brother went to law school. You know, my my dad, my my uncle, my cousins. I think people were uh, refreshed uh, and excited uh, for me that I was following my passion. And one great story is that so my father, you know, before he passed away, was a was a judge, and whenever I could, when I would come home uh, while I was coaching. I would go into the courtroom with him and just sit and watch. And his the people that he worked with, um, the court clerk, the stenographer, his, uh, you know, the people they shared cha chambers with the other judges, you know, they would always like come over to me on the side and say, uh, you know, I know your sister's a lawyer doing, doing big things and your brother, but he talks about your job the most. <laughs> they would always make a point of saying that he was so into into my teams. And um, so I'm, I'm very grateful to both my parents, actually, that they just they never said, oh, you know, you're a girl, you should do this and you shouldn't do that. And they certainly never said, you know, you need to go to law school. They, they really encouraged all of us just to follow what we were passionate about, which I think is, you know, that's what leads to fulfillment and happiness more than anything. All the lawyers knew. They're like, this is the smart one. She's not going to be miserable like we are. This one's got it figured out.
<laughs> Do you use some of your lawyer skills or at least some of what you learned around the dinner table with players? So the most, I don't have a degree in psychology, but clearly the academia field that is most relevant, I would say, um, is, you know, being able to, to kind of access some, some psychology um, in terms of dealing with people, but, but also just like, you know, a good, well-rounded sort of education, the way you think about the world, the way you see the world. And I took some incredibly um, stimulating and interesting classes at Brown where I went that that when that was my formative time, when I was like, I think I wanted to go into coaching and I related everything to team dynamics, right? So I'm studying, you know, political theory and Rousseau and the notion of the social contract. And in my mind, I'm writing a paper where I'm thinking about how does that apply to a basketball team, right? And, um, you know, giving up the, the you know, your own self-interest for the greater interest of the team. So I was kind of a nerd uh, in that way. But but yes, I, I felt like there were a lot of opportunities to pull in, you know, the ways of thinking about the world into team building. Um, and, and to this day, that's one of the things I find really interesting, that being able to read things um, from different coaches and different sports and what can you pull or uh, business leaders and, and how do you, you know, just continue to get better at, at your craft beyond the X's and O's. We talked, you talked about Susan Waldman. And Rafa and I were talking about this yesterday and that, you know, of course, it's Women's History Month. And, you know, Rafa and I are a little older. Years ago, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, there I don't want to say there weren't women to look up to in sports, but women in sports were not there. It wasn't as prevalent as it was now. Who did you look up to growing up? That's a great question. I, I can't you know, say that there was, you know, a, a, a woman working in sports to me saying that's who I want to be. Um I think that uh, obviously the, the 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 biggest influence on me was that I had people around me, um, an older brother, my dad, my mom, just essentially never putting a, a limit on what I could do, right? I just never heard you can't do that. And I think that's the most important thing um, in terms of you know, looking up to people when I was a little kid, I, I wanted to be the shortstop for the New York Yankees. Certainly I wasn't <laughs> looking at, you know, a girl doing that, you know, in front of me. And then as you start to uh, think about college basketball. I do remember watching my first ever women's basketball final four on TV. And it was Dawn Staley and Jennifer AZ for Stanford and, uh, and some of those players. And all of a sudden I was like, Oh my gosh, there's college basketball out here. That's really exciting. And so to see how far that's come, where now on a weekend you can turn on and you know, there, there are 10 women's games on, there's still not enough. And it's still not on the major networks, you know, and that's, you know, still progress to be made there but how far women's athletics at the collegiate and the pro level have come is you know no WNBA when I was really young and if, if there was I would have been at every game no doubt about it because mm-hmm. uh, I was going to watch every basketball game I could I, I was going to watch high school boys college men's women's like I just loved the game and, and to me it, it had always been uh, sort of the the fluidity of, of whether it was pro or college or or men's or women's to me it was just basketball so so the more women's basketball i would have seen earlier i think i would have had more people directly to look up to and speaking of the wmba we gotta send a big shout out for the 25th anniversary coming up uh for the wmba but what we were talking about Lindsay and alisa i think is you know i believe a lot of it has to do with the way society was made was the you know all these years about how women did according to what everybody thought didn't belong here or belong there. but I, And I think that's the biggest task 
for everybody, not just for women, but also for men, for society as a whole, to make sure we change that view of, 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 of thinking, the view of seeing life about how women belong in the bench, be, women belong in the communications department, and you guys belong to a group here at, at, the, at the Cavaliers organization that is called Empower, and, and I think the most amazing part about that is to be able to expose little girls coming behind you that there is a place for them at anything they feel they have a passion for. And I, to me, that's the most important thing. Now that we have made strides into having women doing different things and, and excelling at them. But I, do, you, do you agree with me that that is the, the, the most important part to make sure that we expose these, these little ladies, little women coming behind, that there is a room, a space for them on whatever their passion is? Yeah, I mean, I think so, 100%. Um, you know, the Empower Group is something that we're still kind of working on formulating, you know, what are our main objectives here? And I think, you know, aside from highlighting the incredible women that we have in our organization, a huge part of what we are doing and will continue to do in the future involves mentorship and reaching out to the communities and showing young girls that there is a place for you here. In, in any department, and I know this is something Lindsay has talked about so much, you know, if you want to be a coach, you can be a coach. If you want to be in the front office, you can be in the front office. And there's so many different opportunities, um, you know, and I think that that's so great. I remember, you know, when I was younger um, and Joe G, you know, Tora, you know, Tora was, Tora Vinci was a longtime member of the Cavs PR department. And to me, when I was in middle and high school, she was the coolest woman in the world. I wanted to be her. I wanted to follow in her footsteps because it was just so cool to me to see someone like me doing, you know, what I wanted to do. And I think having that visibility and, um, you know, I had, I shadowed Tora and she was so um, welcoming to me. And I think that, you know, that's something that I know I, uh, as I go through my career, um, I look for that guidance still from people like Lindsay. And I also, you know, really try to pass that on to whether it be to women in college studying sports or young girls, I think it's just so huge. And, um, I'm really proud of the work that we've done so far with Empower, which huge shout out to Lindsay because she's such a leader in that sphere for us too, along with Angel Gray and our youth sports team and just the woman we have across the board on the business side too. It's just really, really awesome to see. And on top of that, how supported we are by men and women in the company. You know, it's not just us cheering for ourselves. It's really everybody getting behind and understanding the importance of having the diversity and having both males and females in these positions. I think it's just difficult. You guys are so much better than men and everything, basically. I mean. <laughs> that might have something to do with it. say that. <laughs> but I think the yeah, exposure is, is huge, Lindsay. The, to make, I mean, in your case, you're a little more in, in the front uh, of that, than everybody else in the company. But just the fact that women and, and girls can realize that you can work for the Cavaliers and you don't necessarily have to be on the bench, right? Right. Right. And I, I would say it's women and, and, and girls and it's little boys too. Yeah. Understanding it's just as important for them to, to see women in all places that, um, you know, they want to be, that's how you make real change. Um, you know, coaching in college for so long, part of my mission, part of the job as a coach is to, to get these 18 to 22 year olds sort of ready and, and have the most tools for whatever's next. And so I would have conversations with them and this would be any, I think people at that age saying, okay, like, what do you like to do? All right. You, you, you like marketing, you like math, you, but you also like sports, you know, there are jobs right in sports that, that match up with your skill set. And I think that 
a lot of them just didn't know that. So representation is really important because the the more that girls see, oh, you know, there's a there's a woman on the bench, but I might want, and and then suddenly ages. Just part of move from of young women that I'm leaving. Right, you can imagine it's just. But what I told them is ultimately this type of move is so that when you guys are, are, you know, deep into your career, there's nothing that you can't do. So, you know, whether you want to be a GM or you want to be a a VP of business operations or whether you want to coach this idea that, you know, women are visible parts of organizations will only allow the the, the people coming up just to to have that be the norm. And that's what uh, I think is, is bigger than just ourselves. I mean, we talk about how things have changed, you know, again, the WNBA 25 years now, but just recently, you know, Lindsay, and you're obviously living example of women coaching professional men that that is probably in the last maybe five years, probably less than 10 years. Uh, what kind of, uh, you know, and, and again, I've asked you this question before, but what was that adjustment like? What was that changing gears like from dealing with women to dealing with these grown dudes? So a lot of change for me over the last year um, from you know, moving from the West Coast to the East Coast, going from college to the pros, um, going from being a head coach to being an assistant and from and from women to men. Um, and on the surface, like that's the biggest change, right? The, the physical, like the look, the feel of, you know, uh, these these guys compared to the women. But ultimately, um, I think the things that are, are most meaningful in coaching transcend gender. And that is elite athletes want you to know what you're talking about, right? The, the guys on our team are too smart. You can't, you can't fool them, right? So you really have to know what you're talking about. You have to study your craft. Um, they want to know that you can make them better. But then they also want to know that, that you care about them more than just the transactional things, right? That you care about them as a human being. And th- so those things, I think, um, that's what female elite athletes want. And that's what male elite athletes want. And that part has been, you know, the more natural thing. But there are times where I'm, like, you know, I look around after three days and I'm like, oh my gosh, I haven't seen another female. And, you know, there are times obviously when I, it's very clear that I'm in a men's locker room. Like it just, you know, there's some things that just look and feel and sound different. Um, but at the, at the end, that's what diversity is, right. That you're, you become comfortable in those spaces and, and, and they become comfortable, you know, with you. And, you know, what I've said to people is that I, I, I didn't, come to the NBA, you know, to pretend that I'm a a man or be just exactly like the guys. I want to be treated with respect and I want to be valued for what I can bring. But part of being valued is the recognition that I I have had different experiences. I've had different life experiences and I've had different coaching experiences. And that's what I think, you know, that's what I was hired, hired for, you know, to adapt to the NBA, but also to bring my kind of unique background and, and hopefully add value. Lindsay, I'm going to ask the wild, I'm going to ask my wild card question. If, none of the, if these guys aren't going to jump in, I'm going to ask you my wild. Well, ca- I was going to say, go to, go to your question because I, when we said when we knew we were going to have you on the show, I told Joe, I said, listen, let's make sure we come out with something different because I'm sure Lindsay has been doing these interviews all month long and it's been the same questions over and over. And, and we're kind of different, Lindsay, just just so you know. So this is the question that we have planned for you. Well, I mean, uh, I, yeah, I, I'm I'll, for this. I'll, I'll I have you. no idea what's coming. <laughs> Well, in in the next segment, we're going to talk about we're going to all going to talk about our playing careers a little mm-hmm. to to an extent. And I, Lindsay, I mean, this is not a, a woman's 
question. This is a, a coach question. Whoever the next assistant coach was going to get this question. I was thinking this, and I'm wondering, all of us, when we played sports, when we went in for the halftime locker room, at some point, I imagine all of us got reamed out by the coach. <laughs> Not individually, although that's happened as well, but the team just got torn apart. I mean, I remember coaches. I remember a coach in football broke his hand on the blackboard at halftime. <laughs> that's, how, that's how crazy coaches went at halftime. What are halftimes like, or... I guess in college, in pros, do, do guys still get yelled at? Do teams still get yelled at? Does the coach lose his temper? What happens? You know, people want to know what happens in the locker room. Does JB ever come in and just tear the guys up? So you're asking me this question on a very interesting day. <laughs> oh, sorry, I forgot. I me following our our, uh, our loss at Atlanta last night, if you asked any single guy on the team – might have been the most mad I've ever seen JB last last night at halftime. Okay. So, um, literally, okay. To to the point where you know after halftime coming out, I was you know grabbing our young young guards, going, "We're okay, like we're we're, we're gonna be all right." Um, so do so is the question: Do NBA coaches get mad? I I think across the board, right? One of the bigger, biggest differences in college and and the NBA, and obviously I'm generalizing because not every college coach is the same and not every NBA coach is the same, but the idea in in the, in the pros, it's, it's got to be more of like a partnership, right? Like, um, you know, it's, 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 these are professional adults and you're kind of working with them. Obviously you're the coach, you're the leader, you're trying to do things, do it tutorial kind of way. You just can't. And even college, I think, that's not the most effective way anymore. Uh, but college basketball, you know, the coach is the the longest lasting part of the institution. You know, the coach is synonymous. The players come and go, but you know, the Shashevskis and the Izzos and the, you know, they're 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 there for, you know, the Calipari's. They're there for longer. So I think there is is a little bit more control. Um, but I think the art of coaching is being able to get guys or women to a, you know, greater heights without you know, demeaning without, most people don't respond that well to yelling all the time. They don't want to be kind of beaten down, but you got to have that, that artistry of when do you need to get on them? When do you need to, you know, build the relationship? But I think what JB does an incredible job of is that he's grounded in the relationships all the time, right? He's always teaching. He's always caring about them. He's always meeting them kind of where they're at so that when he, you know, when he is like, come on now, you know, and can get on them. They, they respect that and they respond to that because they're not wondering, you know, who is this guy and, and, and what is he about? They already know that. So I would say, you know, he gets, he gets mad once in a while. Um, but, but not without, you know, merit and, and certainly not without, you know, the, the calming influence that he has, you know, 90% of the time. My question is this, and this is where I thought Joe was going. What was the biggest Lindsey Gottlieb halftime? <laughs> that was next. <laughs> Either with the Bears or the Gouchers. I mean, all the way back, all time. What, I mean, throwing Gatorade coolers. I mean, where? what was the biggest Lindsey time? So I've never thrown a Gatorade cooler. If you ask any of my college teammates, <laughs> the greatest memory in the history of Brown women's basketball is when I got – shooting shirts thrown in my face by the by our coach um who doesn't she doesn't remember the the that moment but um she was actually angry with somebody else and threw some <laughs> shooting shirts and they they veered off and 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 you know i'm like the freshman who's you know staying late every day and doing every rep and whatever and all of a sudden i have these sweaty shooting shooting shirts running down my face um but as as for me again if you had some of my players on here no crazy tirades not, nothing like that but 
they knew like I never you know like cursed at anybody or swore at anybody but when I but when I was you know for emphasis using some choice words they always <laughs> appreciated that but I would say the most mad I ever got um and and now we were talking about this among came up you know the officials are the officials we all get mad at the officials you know your own team's your own team they, they can frustrate you at times but if somebody else comes after one of your players that's when you see this you know <laughs> other other side of you come out the, the mom instinct whatever so i the only time oh, i get a lot of technicals over the course of my career but i got thrown out of a game in hawaii <laughs> um, <laughs> two technicals very quickly uh because uh our point guard Brittany boyd i, I felt got to, you know took a shot that was a little bit outside the the, the lines and, and i thought the official was not um not protecting her enough, so so I lost my mind and uh, watched the end of the game from the locker room. <laughs> oh, I thought you said from the swimming pool from the hotel. <laughs> yeah, from the beach. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, I was yeah, like yeah. smart. <laughs> thought about doing that. Yeah. <laughs> I think I've only it's... ever seen you calm and collected, so that's a very interesting <laughs> visual too. Yeah, yeah we're wow. not going to get you that film. Don't worry, don't worry. That's buried. <laughs> I, I know the one person who's got it and. <laughs> so just so we get it, no one gets that film. Just so we understand, you you telling us that JB turned himself into Bernie Bickerstaff last night after the game? Because I every when I was growing up watching basketball, I always thought Bernie Bickerstaff was just this person. That I thought he was always angry, and then I met him, and he's the sweetest guy. He's the sweetest say, I don't know dude. Bernie. I only, yeah, I only know nice, calm. But um, he, you know, with his three-piece suit right. and the beard, and he, he looked like nobody wanted to mess with him, right? Yeah. And then I met him. Now, we all, every time I talk to him, he's always laughs and everything, but I always thought he was like this tough guy in, on the bench. He's a teddy bear. Yeah. And a Browns fan, by the way. Oh, is he? Yes, that's right. All right. Uh, Lindsay, can you stick around for one more segment? And Alyssa, I should say. You're on? All right. We'll do one more segment on Wine and Gold Radio. We'll be back with our special guests, Lindsay Gottlieb and Alyssa Dombrowski. This is Jared Allen, Center for the Cavs. I listen to a lot of things every day, but it's never Wine and Gold Radio. There's more of this. 20-footer for the win. He got it. He got it. After this on Wine and Gold Radio. Designed from the land for the land, the team shop has introduced a new in-house apparel line called the Land Collective. The first series is inspired by the 2020 NBA draft. Each series will focus on a specific theme and feature exclusive pieces that will only be available while supplies last. Get these new looks from the team shop today only at Cavs.com slash shop. For more style inspiration and to be the first to know about upcoming collections, follow at Land Collective on Instagram. Hi, I'm Angel Gray with Fox Sports Ohio. I am the sideline reporter for the Cavs, and on my free time, I make sure that I don't listen to... What is this podcast again? Guanico Radio. Guanico Radio? Let me do it again. Hi, my name is Angel Gray with Fox Sports Ohio, the sideline reporter for the Cavs, and I make sure to never listen to the Wine and Gold Radio. Ever. Like, ever. Welcome back to Wine and Gold Radio. Rafa Hernandez Brito, Juan Miguel, 
and our two special guests, uh, Alyssa Dombrowski and assistant coach, Cavs assistant coach, Lindsay Gottlieb for Women's History Month. Women's History Month. And I got, I got uh, again, going back to like different questions that you have been facing this, this month, uh, uh, Coach Lindsay, uh, you know, I'm going to be calling my fourth Final Four this coming April. And but also for the first year, I'm going to be working something with the Women's Final Four. And Powerade believes that no matter the sport or level of play, because they, had, they wanted to include me, an athlete's number <laughs> <laughs> is part of their identity, right? Power in numbers. And every number has a story. And my friend Marcus Rivero, who is sold by Sir, you know, the guy that paints the shoes for the athletes, is actually painting a ball, a basketball, for every single lady that goes into the Final Four. And with their number and their colors. I have one made because if they wanted to include me, even though I'll be in Indianapolis, not in San Antonio, I have one made with number 15, which is my number. I always loved Thurman Monson when I first watched the first game in baseball. And I, I didn't know what a strike or a ball or an inning was. But I saw this guy struggling to get back on his feet to put his gear back on. And I said, you know, this game, this game got to be amazing if this dude loves it so much to, like, sacrifice so much. So I always wore 15, and the number and the ball are in Michigan colors, of course, Mason Blue. Sorry, Alisa. And I wanted he has to, no I, actual allegiance <laughs> to Michigan. He just <laughs> and I wanted to ask you, Coach, I know to, uh, when we have uh, women who rock night, your jersey is going to be one of the items for sale at the team shop, and you chose number three. Is there a story behind that number for you? Uh, so I think it's a really cool idea. Um, you know, one of the things I think about the NCAA tournament beyond like, you know, the exciting basketball, it's the compelling stories of these young people who this is for a lot of them, the pinnacle of their athletic experience. So like how cool to get a story, you know, for each, each young woman, you know, who's, who's going to the final four. That's, that's really neat. Um, you know, from my time in, in college, again, going to the final four to me, what I remember is the story of each, of each kid on that team. Like that's, what's really neat. Um, for me, uh, I think it's incredibly awesome that the Cavs, you know, made a Jersey with my name on it and number, like, I'm just still blown away by that. But I chose number three because, um, that was my mother's favorite number. Um, I wore three, um, on various teams that I was on, but more so, um, you know, I, I think I've told this story before, but, uh, my mom passed away when I was 19 and a sophomore in college. So she hasn't seen, anything, you know, in the physical presence of what I've done, you know, with my life, my career. Um, but I would say to anyone, you know, she was the original kind of badass, right? Like she was um, just a, a, a modern, you know, woman who was all about her kids, um, but also had a career and really just made us feel like we could do anything. Um, and so she never sat with me and said, you can coach in the NBA. But there was never anything in my mind that said that I couldn't do anything. And so uh, I, I just, I always, you know, think about um, what she would be thinking about this. Um, I think, I think she'd love our players. Uh, I think she'd be, you know, all about a Jaron Allen dunk or, you know, a, a Colin Sexton, you know, transition layup, no question, but more so I think um, uh, just to be able to have three on that Jersey, you know, makes me, me feel that, um, you know, it's, 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 cool to be part of an organization that values women um, and, and to be in this in this role and, and hopefully be able to influence, um, you know, the girls and women that, that will come next after me. You know, I might know somebody at Powerade. I might get you a ball with the wine and gold colors on number three so you can keep it in your office. And, uh, you know, cause they, they, they also put amazing. in the number in the bottles. 
of, of, of the of the beverage. So how about you, Alisa? I know you have a very interesting story behind <laughs> your number. Um, so I played volleyball growing up. I, I tried my hand at basketball because I grew up a huge Cavs fan. So basketball was always like my favorite sport. Um, I did try it. Contact sports, not for me. So didn't really make it quite far in basketball. But um, I played volleyball growing up. Um, and I was very, very small growing up. I didn't hit a growth spurt until I was in like ninth grade. So um, I I played um, church league the first couple of years um, and we didn't really get to pick our numbers for that. But once I started playing organized sports in school, um, I remember, you know, in seventh grade, we would get like the pre-made jerseys that they had probably had for like 20 years um, at Brexel Bradley Heights Middle School. And um, me and the other libero, um, the runts, we um, we all got to pick our numbers, but the numbers were by size. So like zero, one, two, three, four were like probably XX small or whatever. So um, I picked four and that's uh, that's kind of a number that stuck with me. You should change the story to the fact that you were a, a fan of the Fab Five in Michigan and you were number four no. because you love Chris Weber. That, that sounds so much better. That sounds so much better. Come on, that's an will, adorable story. Don't throw it. Um, another great wearer of number four is NBA champion Amon Shumpert. So but you know what's I'm great? To be in that company. You know what's great now for even for girls growing up now, they're gonna have a lot more to pick from now because before most of the women that that excelled, I was looking into it. They, they were all either on one-on-one -on -one sports like tennis players or or Olympians, and now you have a, a lot more than just what the women's soccer. The national team has been able to do, and the WNBA, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of number threes for Diana Taurasi now everywhere in the playgrounds, right, Lizzie? Because that's what I think is the, the growth we're going to see. Where now you, somebody said you have to see it to believe it, you know, when they talk about Kamala Harris. Now you have a lot of, a lot of little girls watching athletes that actually look like them and, and are like them. Absolutely. I mean, I think it, it also shows that the more you put women on TV, the more they get coverage. The, the marketing happens after. It's not, you know, rocket science. I think the Sabrina Ionescu jersey for the New York Liberty sold the second stand because she was covered in Oregon and, and people got excited, right? That's how you grow the game. Yep. Um, but yeah, there's there's little girls watching Candace Parker and Sue Bird and, mm. um, you know, the next generation of, of players coming up. And, and again, I, I love women's basketball and I love the NBA too. And I don't think it has to be an either or. Like there are times that I'll be doing my scouting report and I'm like, okay, um, you know, the, the, the James Harden crossover reminds me of Kelsey Plum. And like, everyone's looking at me like I'm crazy because no one else really, but it, it, I just don't think it has to be one or the other. There's, there's a lot of um, synergy between the games. And I think kids growing up should, should be able to emulate and, and, and follow who they want to. And when they, when the people look like them, it's yep. all the, all the better. So I just think the WNBA is so important in so many ways. How about you, John? Do you have a number? Do you have a, is there a story behind your number? Do you Not play really sports? Funny. What's that? Do you play sports? <laughs> That's a little hurtful. <laughs> he was a mathlete. No, I, 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 I did actually better in four sports in high school, and I always wore thirteen. I don't know why that. I don't know why that is, but I always wore thirteen. So that's. Uh, I don't really have a story around it. <laughs> so, there you go. I thought you said you were going to say. Basketball, by the way, out of those four sports, basketball was a distant fourth. Just so we're all clear. About it. I feel that. Distant, distant fourth. How about you, Wolfie? Do you have a number at, at Garfield Heights? Uh, yeah. Uh, I wore a number. I mean, again, football was kind of my main sport. So I, I wore number 12 uh, in football. And it was kind of like at that school, uh, the number 12 before you kind of bequeathed it to you. You know what I mean? If there was a 
a senior that you look up to, and he wore number 12. So he Terry gave, Bradshaw had nothing to do with Terry it. Terry Bradshaw had l- zero to do with it, in fact. <laughs> less, less than zero. <laughs> Lindsay, uh, you t- we talked about that. Rafa going to the Final Four. You took Cal to the Final Four. Are you immersed in March Madness right now? Are you both men and women? Are you are you totally excited for it right now? Totally excited um, for a lot of reasons. First of all, I think, you know, last year and, and the pandemic – um, there are certainly way more important things that we lost um, in terms of human life and all that. But I, but I think for for everyone, just not having March Madness was a kind of a gut punch last year. Uh, and then the second the second reason I'm like so into it is just, just I can just be a fan. Um, you know, I, I I was in it for so many years. I I was on the bubble. Uh, I was you know t- a top seed kind of every experience. But now it's sort of fun to actually be able to fill out a bracket, <laughs> to be able to just watch like a fan. Um, and so it's 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 really cool um, on both sides. I think um, on the women's side, it's going to be one of the most exciting years ever because you take away any home court advantage. So on the women's tournament, you know without the pandemic, there's still home home court seating and things like that. So I think we might see the most parity ever uh, when you take that out of it. And, and then there's just no clear front runner in women's basketball. So I think that's going to be really exciting. Uh, and then, you know, the men's tournament, um, just every year it, it, it never, you know, fails with game winners and crazy moments. And uh, it's just, it's, it's really neat to, to be able to, to follow and friends, you know, who are coaching, um, in it and and just follow like a fan. So I'm pretty excited. And I'm not sure exactly who the field is in the women's bracket. I think the draft uh, the, the, today it's tonight, no, tonight the, the draw election Monday. Okay, yep. uh, but it, say you see uh, Santa Barbara, Cal, and Brown are all in the tournament. Who's your allegiance to? Oh my goodness, that's that would be a great problem to have because uh, I don't think that's going to happen uh, this year. The Santa Barbara men are in it, uh, so I'll be rooting for them. Um, but it, it's interesting. Like, I know you want the, like an easy, quick answer, but every part of your life, right. is like so meaningful in some ways. Like I, we were actually just talking the other day on the bus. It was, um, JB and Kevin Love and, um, uh, someone else of oh, Dan Jero were sitting there and, and we we're talking about Santa Barbara and JB's like, yeah, that was Lindsay's first job. And I, in thinking about that, like there were so many important, like coaching experiences I had, you know, so, so just because I didn't go to a final four with Santa Barbara, cutting down a net and winning the big West tournament was like unbelievable, you know? Um, and, and obviously, you know, I, I didn't graduate from Cal, but it feels like home. Um, and then, you know, Brown is where I, I, I kind of began this whole coaching journey. So I would be thrilled ever if those three were ever in the tournament together. I know that's a, that's a kind of a cop-out answer, but (laughs) you know, the, 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 The first time I ever did the Final Four, I almost got thrown out at the end because they left the ladder under the basket, and I wanted to take a picture of myself like like I was cutting the net, and, of course, I had security right on top of it. Of course. Of course. But I you did get the photo. Yeah, you got, got the photo. You did get the pic. I am rooting for Cleveland State, so, you know, I feel obviously attached to Cleveland. Dennis Gates is a great friend of mine. He is a Cal grad. Um, so I was giving Damian Dotson a little hard time last night because he's a Houston guy. So I, I told him, sorry, you know, Cleveland State at, at the 15 seed going give, to give Houston some problems. Um, you know, we have uh, always some good trash talk amongst amongst the staff um, and people's allegiances. That's my school, Concrete State, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I was hoping they got anybody other than Houston. Uh, Houston is the one team in that out of those two seeds that – I mean, I know Ohio State's there. We wouldn't have wanted that to happen. Anybody but Ohio State. Anybody but Houston, and sure enough, sure enough, that's there you the go. Good luck to the Vikes, no question. Yeah. Absolutely. 
Lindsay Gottlieb, we want to thank you so much for coming on Women's History Month and Women Who Rock Nights. Yeah, baby. On Wednesday night, St. Patrick's Day against Boston, against the Celtics. Let's get uh, let's get a win uh, for that night. What do you say, Lindsay? That would be amazing. Yeah, that's, that's always the plan. So hopefully, yeah, uh, that's the most important thing. So we'll we'll channel the 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 power of the women of Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse and, and try and get a win against the Celtics. Amen. All right. And Alyssa Dombrowski, thank you so much for being our our co-host today. Thank you, my friend. It was my first time. I'm usually behind the camera, so how'd I do? You did great. You always do great. Ohio State and Michigan playing. Who do you root for? Um, Again, I'm not entertaining when you ask me questions like that anymore. (laughs) I am an Ohio State alum, Rafa, so we cannot have this conversation. No bucks. In the Big Ten tournament, but I have faith. Uh, ladies, thank you so much for coming on and joining us on Wine and Gold Radio. It's a pleasure having you. Okay, that was our special guest, uh, assistant coach Lindsay Gottlieb and Alyssa Dombrowski, the great AD. You know, she should get hazard pay for having to put up with her dad at work all the time. I, I don't know if she makes enough money for that. But I'm she... pleading the fifth on that one. <laughs> I'm allowed to break Dave Dombrowski's chops all I want. <laughs> it's the beauty of this job. No comprendo. We have to we have to say a couple thanks before we get out of here. Uh, Robert J. Hageman. We're going to start with him today. Okay. Big wrestling fan, by the way. Robert J. Yeah. Is he? Okay. Yeah, and he's guy. built big like guy. a wrestler. He could probably slam me. Yeah. He probably he he'd put you in a figure four leg like you'd submit in two seconds. Uh, Matt Gold, the Golden Boy. Golden boy Gotta yeah. love the Golden Boy. Uh, Joe Magner, uh, Peter Borman, Joe Fritchin, Casey Coolest, the coolest name in broadcasting. D Mac. The hardest working man in show business. You know it, I know it. No comprendo. Come on. <laughs> that dude kills it. Lucy Varis, you know her. She's yes, the best. Mrs. Varis. Yes. Course. And, of course, the dynamic duo of Dirty Kurt and Marty Allen. Let's go, Big Daddy. Oh, yeah. So we'll see you next week. And as always, good night, Freddie Mac, wherever you are. The catch corner, shoot, fire. Go! Oh! Oh! Listening to Wine and Gold Radio. Snyder sideline left. Snyder on the dribble drive to the hoop. Put it up. to LeBron.